Metalheads. This is the 411 Music Zone Podcast. Someday I'm going to come up with an even catchier title. Maybe we'll just call this Who Wants 401's Who Wants to Rock. But well, we'll get there eventually. We'll figure it out. I am your host, the mandated reporter and frankly unmortified Mr. Mark Rattledge. And if Anderson Silva is not the pound for pound greatest fighter in the world, then who is? I never mind. That that's wrong show. Um <laughs> And that laughing you hear in the background is one of the three beards, the metal coop, Mr. Robert Cooper. How you doing, sir? You know, I think for our, like like our one year anniversary for the show, we need to like send somebody some cornbread that was done too well. <laughs> I may do that. I, I may thinking, have, was, I may, I may know, have my wife make you that. like I may have my wife make you just a pan of cornbread done too well and send it to you. <laughs> send hugs and kisses. I'll send you some too I'll be like hey mom I'm going to make some cornbread and she's like you're going to burn down the house let me do it (laughs) and then you'll say to her that's what I'm trying to do done too well (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh, let me tell you what let me tell you what Hmm? go ahead finish I was going to say this is the album review podcast but really I'm the only metal guy so technically this is like Hammer of Doom the podcast you know, maybe that's what we should call it, Hammer of Doom. You know, maybe instead of calling it the... Because initially when I envisioned this podcast, um, I wasn't going to do just strictly metal, and I wanted to do... I wanted it to be more of a roundtable format, kind of like the MMA show, uh, where we would discuss news items and play some, you know, play some music from some new albums. You know, make it kind of like an actual radio show. But kind of, yeah. it, you know, no one was interested in doing this besides you. And now it's kind of just become Mark and Robert review metal albums. So I know I would I would not I, I mean look, I, the long road to ruin lost its association with four one one. I mean I still put my stuff there uh, because they let me. But you know it's it, yeah. that that's a that's a Rattleton broadcasting show. It's long road to ruin. I would not be opposed to calling this the Hammer of Doom podcast or just the Hammer of Doom. Yeah, well, that that worked with me. I think uh, I talked to Sean Garmer because he does the podcast I do with Randall, the uh, gaming one. I'm like, hey man, we're gonna be doing Sabbath and stuff. He's like, yeah, I need to get, I should get onto that. I'm like, yeah, we, we we don't have a third person yet. It'd be interesting. I have a friend of mine uh, who isn't listening to this because he doesn't like music, um, and <laughs> but uh, he does listen to my other podcast and. Um, he has a he has a very funny saying. He's like, all of my most of my friends are bads and dumbs, and uh, un- until you come on a Rattledge and broadcasting show, and all you if all you've done is talk about it, but you've never actually come on a show, you're in the bads and dumbs category. I'm not interested in anyone's fairy stories. Either you do the show or you don't. Try. Right. Right, <laughs> Get off your ass, pick up a telephone and call. God damn it. All right. Um but yeah, so maybe the next time maybe uh starting with Black Sabbath we'll start calling this the Hammer of Doom podcast. How do you think? What do you think about that? Yeah, it works with me. I mean pretty much that's what it is. It's it's almost like what I do with my column, except I I'm with you and we talk about music instead of me just rambling about whatever bullshit I can pull out of Blabbermouth's ass. <laughs> right. Speaking of Blabbermouth, so I have to tell you, you know, my daughter uh, is into the Disney princesses. If you follow me on Facebook, my my wife um, just got my daughter into the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique for her third birthday. 
in January. That's how far out we had to book this. She literally had to wait a full 180 days before my child's third birthday in order to book a date at the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Such is the popularity of this place with the fairer sex. Can you believe that, Mr. Damn. Robert Cooper? I mean, I can it, believe it because it's Disney, and like Disney's really freaking good at marketing and being popular. And she's a sweet zombie Jesus. Yeah. If you, Mr. Robert Cooper, have decided that you want to get yourself dolled up like a fairy princess from the Disney uh, pantheon of princesses, you, <laughs> you're going to need to start making those preparations now, sir. Now. Which and if you could be a princess, you? which, you know, which, which princess would been. you be, Mr. Cooper? <laughs> I would I would be Princess Wayne. <laughs> I, I don't think uh, the DC comic book of uh, the DC comic book superheroes are part of the Disney. Now, I mean, if you want to be Princess Leia, that that would be fine. Oh yeah, I could I could fill out that metal bikini. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a YouTube well, video of of kind of uh, what do you call it? cosplay nerdy girls sort of dressed up as Disney yeah. princesses, welcoming Princess Leia into the pantheon of Disney princesses. And I played it for my daughter last night because I thought it was like a fun Disney song for her, not knowing what it was. And then they get to the part where it's like, you must promise not to eat. And I'm like, click! <laughs> moving on, Lily, moving on. The point of all of this is I would rather review Disney princess songs than Super Collider. What have you done to me, Robert Cooper? Well, Steve, you got to look at this on the bright side. If it weren't for this, like, if this album that I described today as as enjoyable as having a flesh-eating virus inside your sphincter, without this, we would have never done the Megadeth retrospective, and you never would have, like, really come to appreciate Megadeth. So on the bright side, you got that, but on the downside, you get this. But I promise, promise to you and to the metal faithful out there, you know, all four of you, hi, Jesse, I promise that that will make this entertaining because you know, bad music, bad like bad music and bad movies are a little different because bad music you really just kind of just kind of makes you mad or you just don't care about it. Whereas with bad movies, you can like just riff on everything. You think this way? Bad movies is like bad sex, okay? Because bad sex you can at least have fun, you can laugh at, and then, hey, it's still sex. I mean, you know, you'd, you'd have to go some for it to be so bad that you never want to do it again. It's still. It's still sex. Bad music is like heartburn. There's nothing good about it. It hurts. It won't kill you, but it's not pleasant. There are so many more better things, so many better things you can be doing. You can be listening to a good album. You don't get the same enjoyment out of a bad album that you do a good album unless it's just like, you know, like really, really bad, like, you know, Rebecca Black's Friday level of just annoying. Then it's funny because you get to torture people with it. But yeah, this album is it's it's not good. It's very boring and if as you as anybody who has listened to the past two podcasts, you've heard how much I love Megadeth and how far I will go to defend them. That 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 ends like that basically that defending status just like pretty much ended with this album. Like, you know, I was like, Okay, risk <laughs> This this is the album zero. that broke Robert Cooper. Are you serious? Because <laughs> that's breaking news. Yeah. I don't have a good breaking oh, I won't say it broke me. I, I just say it pissed me off because, like, before I was like, okay, you know, one bad release, that's something. But this year was just like they went from good release, great release, good release, to just shit can. And I'm like, okay, Dave, one more album. <laughs> if, you, if you fuck up one more album, I swear. 
You're going to hear a lot from me. Let me say this. Hmm? Let, let me say this much, and getting away from such ancillary topics that I know people tuned into this podcast to hear, like Disney princesses and such. Um, you know, if I could be serious for a moment. You're not like Storm. You can't say that. <laughs> I guess I can. <laughs> He's not using it. I will. Okay. Um, if I if I could be serious for a moment, the problem that I have with Megadeth's 14th album, Super Collider, which was released on uh, a new uh, a new label, Tradecraft, via Universal, on June 4th, 2013, two days after my birthday, as a matter of fact, is that after you know after risk and trust and euthanasia and uh, um. Symphony of Destruction's album. What's the name of it again? <laughs> Countdown, Countdown Extinction. There we go. Countdown you're Extinction. Also trying to, you're trying to think a world needs a hero, but it's just not coming. <laughs> um, but I mean, but they did a slew of albums where they were trying for a more mainstream hard rock feel. And, you know, it, it begins with Countdown to Extinction, which is great. And it ends with The World Needs a Hero, which is horrible. And somewhere in there is Risk. And then they have this succession of albums that come out where they're back to form. They're sounding like a modern heavy metal band again. You know, it, it, it was Megadeth at Megadeth's modern best. And you figure, yeah. what you would assume that they're going to stay in that milieu, you know, for any album coming out, that they're not going to go back to, you know, a, 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 an era in that band's history where they turned more fans away than they garnered. And yet, yeah. Super Collider... It no, and and yet Super Collider is an album full of hard rock shit. It is, we're right back to where we started again with The World Needs a Hero. I mean, this doesn't have, this doesn't even have sort of the symphonic boom of Countdown to Extinction. It's just shit. And I don't understand, and maybe this is where I depend on you, if you could provide some insight as to what's going on with Old Man Dave. Because I'll tell you what, not only is this album not interesting to me, not only is this, I mean, if this were any other, here's how I would review this album. If it wasn't Megadeth, I would have given it at least a C. Because this sounds like one of those bands that the WWE uses to promote its pay-per-views. Okay. Oh, God. it's got, right. that, it's got that lame kind of, you know, mainstream rock appeal to it where it's like, okay, well, I can totally see why you would attach, you know, WWE fart in your face, um, you know, live on pay-per-view to this particular song because it's completely inoffensive uh, modern tripe. Like Except Five Finger Death Punch. Yes. Shut up. Um oh, I, uh... I had to get that in, you know. Boo! But in... Get off the stage. <laughs> but instead, you... But but this isn't one of those bands. This isn't, you know, uh, any one of those bands that gets associated with the WWE, which is, you know, mostly crap. This is Megadeth. And it's Megadeth doing a swift departure from every album that was good over the last couple of years. Why, Robert Cooper, why? I think this all stems from because I listened to the, after our last Megadeth podcast, I went and listened to the uh, Dave Mustaine's commentary over the album. 
and then I went back and listened to it again, like when I was uh, while I was listening to the tracks, just seemed like okay, this is what he was thinking of. During the title track, Super Collider, he's like, well, you know, there's some songs that uh that don't need to be heavy, you know, they're just good songs. They don't have like those, you know, really fast, those really insane riffs or anything, or those like fast, fast solos. They're just good, and you don't you don't need those things to have a good song. And I think that is the problem. He forgot what brought him to the ball. Like it, it doesn't like as you does say, Megadeth, it makes no does sense. Does Megadeth periodically forget that he's in Megadeth? You know, like I what, think like, so. like sometimes he wakes up and you know and thinks, you know, I'm in in sync, you know, or, or I don't know, but I'm, st- I'm still in Metallica. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll ever ever get that confused, but it makes no sense because you know a lot of in the '90s those bands, like even, like you know, even though, like I think there's only there's a few bands like in Thrash, that stayed Thrash. Like, you know, Slayer, and there's some other bands like that, like uh, Overkill. They went a little groovier, but they're still Thrash. Now, other bands like Anthrax went more regular heavy metal, and then Megadeth Metallica, they went hard rock. That was a huge trend in the 90s. And I was hoping once he got back to Thrash, he kind of realized that nobody really wants to hear that uh, attempt at hard rock anymore and kind of come to his senses and then realize that, you know, Thrash metal's kind of cool again. You know, it's not as cool as it was back in, I don't know, like, you know, 1989. You know, it's not as cool as it was then, but it's still got a pretty solid following. But then he just did this. Oh, man. I have like, to I was wonder actually if, kind of, I, I have think, to wonder I if some of it has him. to do with Gigantor. Right. Hang on, and, and and I promise I'll let you have your say, but I, I, I wonder Gigantor. how much of this has to do with Gigantor. And, Ew. you know, it, it, Gigantor has a rough time, I think, competing with Rockstar Mayhem which tends to pick the harder bands. I mean, they pick everything from, like, Behemoth and um, uh, Mayhem. Amon? Sl- Amon Amar. No, Mayhem's they, been they, on they, they, No, Mayhem has never been on it. Could you imagine Mayhem being on that, like, pig's heads and blood everywhere? Yes, yes, I could. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll look it up if, if I have to, but I could have sworn I thought Mayhem was on, like, one of the smaller states. Maybe I'm wrong, but... But they have had Behemoth on. They've, they've had some pretty pretty rough death metal bands on that tour, yeah. and you know, and then yeah, their headliners are like Slipknot. Uh, this year it's Rob yeah. Zombie, which is no big deal. But underneath that is Five Finger Death Punch, clearly the best band in metal today. <clears throat> um, I will throw it, my phone all the way to Florida just to hit you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> um, Children of Bodom, Machine Head, etc. So I, I I think it's yeah. hard for uh, Gigantor to sort of compete with that, so instead they go in the other direction, and it's like, okay, well, who wants to go to a rock show where the bands aren't quite as heavy, um, and 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 I think like Megadeth, sort of the idea behind this is, um, you know, let's let's put on a more mainstream uh, super rock show with us at the top of it. Maybe ne- they're writing now albums sort of to reflect that mentality. It's the only thing I can think of. I don't, know, I don't know about. I mean, this year's this year's Gigantor is just ass. I mean, you've got Megadeth. Okay, it's like it's Megadeth. They don't play much. They they won't play anything from this new album except for like one song. So, you know, still we're singing. Then you got Black Label Society. They're pretty good. You know, they're, they're serviceable. And uh, I think at the bottom of the card is Jason Newstead's band, Newstead. I don't know if you've heard any of Newstead, but they're pretty solid. Pretty solid fair. I can dig them. Then you've got uh, Hell Yeah, which I'm not a huge Hell Yeah guy. I think Hell Yeah is amazing. Hell yeah. Nah, they're not my thing. And then you got uh, David Draymond's band, Device, which just sound like Disturbed. 
All right, so yeah. I'm going to say this. I mean, yeah, I could, so yeah, once again, we're I almost a half an hour into this, and we haven't played any music yet. So to, to, to get to that, <laughs> let, let me say this. the best song on the album. Yeah. <laughs> Not every song on here is uh, is what I just described. Most of it is, and that's why I started this way. But there are some songs in here that actually sound like Megadeth. Unfortunately, a, it's not enough to balance out the album. B, even at that, it sounds hollow. For example, here's the uh, first song off the album, Kingmaker. this song is on the best on the album because like while it did have it didn't feel as hang on saying that this is the best on the album is like saying you found a piece of corn in your poop i don't remember eating any corn today (laughs) i've I've cut you off several times go ahead yeah i i feel like this one is the best because it's thrash like it might not be good thrash but it's serviceable, it has a nice, fast speed, and it is kind of catchy. Like, I found myself kind of area tying that around the house. Though I will say one thing, the uh, the gallop that's in there kind of reminds me of the gallop from Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. What do you think? Do you, can you kind of hear it maybe in your head? I don't know. If I listen to it, I'm like, this reminds me of something. And then I'm like, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, which, you know, it, it, that's not Megadeth. <laughs> I, I would... I would agree with you. I could I could hear that in there. It doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it good. No, but, I mean, I could definitely hear that. I think my problem is that if that was all I heard, I would say, okay, it's fine. You know, it's cool. Um, you know, if I was having to pick a song from this album to play as part of a retrospective, I would have picked this one, and, and I would have been okay with it. The problem is, like I said, it's like you're led to believe with this first song that you're going to get more of some, excuse me, some heavy Megadeth and then you don't. 
So I feel I feel like this song is a bait and switch, but I'm I'm big, but I'm not a, a proponent of. Um, I I you ha- I think you have to judge an entity by its components, not by the context necessarily. And so I don't think you I I don't think it's right to say well I don't like the song because the rest of the album's horrible. But I still feel like oh, yeah. the song itself is just meh. It's it's no big deal. Yeah, it's not that great. I mean, it, it's solid. It's definitely one of those, like, when I heard this song, because the first song they released was the next track, which will really tell you why everybody, including myself, was really uh, afraid of that his album was going to suck. <laughs> and then, then this was the second single. And I, after I heard it, I'm like, you know, this wasn't anything, you know, mind-blowing, but this is what I wanted. I wanted something more. Like, this song is what it pro- this album, whole album probably should have been. At least something, something similar. Like, yeah, like actually, uh, now that I think about it, this song actually is about uh, apparently what Dave Mustaine says. It's about hillbilly heroin, according to him. Oh, that was the inspiration of it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. After listening to the uh, his commentary, like a lot of the songs do make more sense, and it does kind of feel like he put a little more effort into it. But oh, when we get to the beginning like, of sorrow, you think my introduction of this was harsh? Wait till you wait till we get to the beginning of sorrow. I was about ready to say I don't want to do this podcast anymore when I listen to that. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, his uh, his one explaining that one was actually quite humorous because he changed because his original idea was too dark and depressing, according to what? him. Which I'm like, dude. <laughs> I'm like, dude. I, I, you are in like, a metal band. Dark and depressing is like where you should dwell. Well, that's the thing. Like. More dark and depressing than having than having a mother die in childbirth. What's going on with Dave Mustaine? Yeah, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to go and listen to it in a second. But yeah, it's it's something it's something like it was actually darker than that. And I was like, okay, Dave, whatever. I mean, yeah, this track is pretty much one of the best. I mean, there's going to be a few that I'm going to mention later. I'm like, okay, this one was pretty good but for the most part. This was like they made euthanasia and just kind of forgot to put anything that made that good. Any, like, the hooks and the melodies and the catchy <laughs> shit. They were just like, okay, guys, uh, a lot of people were calling our last album a countdown to extinction uh, clone. So I guess we should go to euthanasia because a lot of people were doing that. They were like, oh, see, like, Endgame was rust in peace because it was all thrashy. And then you got 13, which wasn't as thrashy, so let's countdown. So do you get the I feeling that Dave Mustaine's like nothing makes you people happy? Probably. Like I, ah, like the guy, like I said, he has my immense respect, and he is one of my favorite guitarists of all time. He really is. I love the guy. But sometimes I do wonder. You know, he really should take a break because this was what two. This is two years <laughs> in between albums. Yeah, this is two years. Probably yeah, it's even less than that because you got to consider you know when this was probably recorded. And everything, yeah. He, the guy probably needs to take a break because I think the creative well has finally run dry for old Davy Boy Mustaine. And I think that's a great intro to uh, the second song, which was the first single oh. released, and the title track. This folks, Pooper, col- Pooper Collider. <laughs> Stop your grinning and drop your linen. Here is Super Collider. Oh. <laughs>
WWE and Megadeth Super Collider present Money in the Bank this Sunday on pay-per-view. WWE and uh, Slip Jims. <laughs> isn't that what that song sounds like? Like, you could totally see, like, you know, uh, in, in the run-up to Money in the Bank, you know, uh, various wrestlers fa- fighting and falling down to that song. And I think that would make the song more interesting. It would. Actually, uh, like I said, I listened to the commentary. This is uh, one of the ones that really stood out to me because you, you heard the intro. That is bland as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, not even – yeah, that is about as bland as, well, air supply. That, that is air supply levels of bland, Mr. Mustang. <laughs> and he, he was talking about how, you know – this song was uh this was one that I this one of the old riffs that I had because you know as a musician I just I, I just kind of keep all my old riffs I save them on, on like a hard drive and I'll go back and then I was listening to them and I was like wow this is really good you know I think I should make a song around that I'm like and then I'm like Dave Dave <laughs> honey honey calm down this is well, not I good think that, I think that gives you some insight into his mentality that he's now 107 years old and and he's not really into the thrash metal anymore you know he's he's into uh Paul Freeze and um you know he's into Count Basie um then he likes to slow it down a touch and you know Rod Stewart I think that's more Dave Mustaine's oh, speed these days some Barry Manilow perhaps Turn it down. You kids are too loud. (laughs) This is why he doesn't tour with many thrash bands anymore. (laughs) Five-fingered gun punch, walk out on stage and punch him in the face. Then again, yeah, I kind of would pay to see that, because I don't like (laughs) five-fingered gun punch, but it's pretty damn funny. I mean, cause he's huge. Which, just like a super collider, and then just you know have just a guy like a super collider. Yeah, and then they all walk out. It's like no mercy is the way of the fist. And then you know, elbow to the head. Yes, they they beat them with their tap out shirts. Whatever. Pro metal. Pro metal. Yeah. So whatever. So they would be wearing tap out. They would be wearing tap out mm-hmm. t shirts, and he would be playing. You know. He would try to be playing metal in his sweater, his turtleneck. No, we will never get as bad as those uh, pictures from Risk, man. Because <laughs> like, it was, yeah, because it's on the uh, greatest hits. It's got a band picture from each of the albums, and it's just like I said, it's been sitting in like a abandoned train station or something in front of a rail, and like Dave's wearing a fucking like turtleneck sweater. And I'm like, damn it, Dave, looking like that will not get you any more fans. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Five, I was just going to mention about Five Finger Death Punch. Actually, I was looking at the buyer sale last week, which was Sean Yarmer and Sean Gomer, and they both bought the uh, Five Finger Death Punch song going with Halford. So I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll listen to it. I'll do it with Radlich just just to please him. He has had to deal with three negative podcasts. Come to the dark side, Robert. We have cookies. Are you kidding? Uh, what Five Finger Death Punch is the dark side, sir? <laughs> As that saying, I think I got you beat on the dark side. (laughs) All right. Speaking of the dark side, here's track three. This is Burn.
I was on a pod. I was on the Casual Heroes podcast recently, and we're talking about the whole you know Fandango thing and how like they they didn't realize why fans were fandangoing, and so when they were trying to force people to fandango, it kind of blew up. That's what this song reminds me of. It reminds me of an old man trying to say things that sound cool and coming off awkward as hell. I'm just imagining Dan, Dave Mustaine fandangoing in his sweater in front of the train station. <laughs> you know what? So I would have preferred that. Yeah, I mean, the, the one good thing about this song, and really the only thing that I can really say I could, that stood out in this album was Chris Broderick's uh, guitar work, because, you know, he's a damn good guitarist. And this song did have a lot of good, had a lot of good guitar parts by him, but that really can't save the fact that the song itself was just, <laughs> it was just a whole <laughs> lot of meh. I mean, yeah, this this sounded like some a bad song off of Cryptic Writings. Because burn, it was trying baby, to, burn! Hurts. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, it's it sounds like a bad this... song off of Cryptic Writings, which you know I do I do love that album, but it was really Dave Mustaine trying to keep stay metal while playing hard rock, and that's what this this song reminded me of. I you know I think look I can just cut this podcast short right now and say in summation Super Collider shit will get off the pot Dave Mustaine either make a thrash metal album or make a hard rock album but stop trying to do both. Because when you do both, you just you just you just piss off the people who like your metal, and then the people who that like hard rock are like, "Dude, we didn't accept you when you when it was popular. Go away." But that's the thing. It's like I, we talked about this when we discussed the world needs a hero. You can't please everybody. If you make a thrash metal album, you're going to lose the straights. If you make a hard rock album, you're going to lose the diehard metalheads. You're never going to look. Not everybody likes Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber. And they're, you know, and they're two of the most popular uh, pop artists in the world today. I think I think I picked two right there that have a fairly substantial fan base. But yeah, the fact that I just said like that out loud tells you people. I don't follow either one of them. And they're both semi-awful people. <laughs> but, but the point is, Mr. Cooper, that you know Justin Bieber makes whatever the hell he does. You know, and isn't worried about like, well, we got to throw a death metal song in there because that's that sliver of the pie that we haven't captured yet. You know, Taylor Swift. Could you imagine for a second, <laughs> like there, there's a song called by Autopsy called "Dirty Gore Whore" where he's just talking about how he's going to kidnap this woman and rape her and kill her. Imagine Taylor Swift wrote that song about one of her boyfriends. Bam! In, right there, she needs to cover or- that pie. I was going to say, and, 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 and perform that song in Corpse Paint. Yes, and you know what? Me and you, we're going to like we're gonna like get a halfway point. Like, Georgia, we're, I'm going to kidnap Lambert, and we're all going to go enjoy it. <laughs> I don't th- See, And there's a really good example. Jeremy Lambert and I couldn't have more opposite taste in music. There is not uh, anyone on this earth who could satisfy us both equally in terms of music. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that we we could both enjoy. But the point that I'm trying to get at is anytime Dave Mustaine writes an album where he's trying to appeal to everybody, he creates a lot of nothing. You cannot yeah, make he everybody pisses off the, He pisses off the metalheads. And I know we talk about this all the time. When it comes to metal, like, I honestly, I feel like metal is the least represented genre in popular music because, you know, it is the most just kind of like it is the least 
I guess, friendly to people who are outsiders. And when you piss off that fan base, you're really just making a really loyal bunch of people hate you, and they they will stay loyal to hating you. Just look at Metallica. <laughs> when before we did the Fin Troll podcast, um, I don't I know I was I was playing a lot of Fin Troll, but I was also this was around the time that I went I went to go see Goat Whore. And of course, I love telling people that I was going to see Goat Whore because I like the reaction I got when you know Goat people are so awesome. When, when, you know, when, these are people who Metallica is too heavy. You know. <laughs> oh, I hate those people. Those people oh, make no, me mad. I'm like, I'm like, guys, come on. They're fine people. They're they're just something that, like you said. Look, let, let's let's be honest about this. You and I both love metal. But there's something about yeah. our personalities that can appreciate what is, in fact, a jarring, grating noise. I mean, metal, it's music, obviously, and there's a lot that we can appreciate and we can dissect. But let's be clear. There is a big difference between Mayhem and Elton John. You know, and in terms of just, you know, creation of music, it's almost <laughs> incomparable. So... So you and I have sort of taken it, taken for granted that you know by being metalheads, by virtue of being metalheads, we appreciate a certain level of noise, a certain level of just anger and frustration coming out in what's supposed to be music, and that's a far cry from traditional music, which is your Billy Joel, your Elton Johns. You know, it, it reminds me of movies, and I remember. There was a, an interview with, I don't remember who the director was, but it was around the time that Pulp Fiction came out and Quentin Tarantino became the new It guy. And like everything that came out after Pulp Fiction was just like Pulp Fiction. You know, it was a lot of dialogue about nothing. <laughs> it was, that, you know, was supposed to be the sort of hip, hips kind of hip thing that people were imitating uh, Quentin Tarantino. And one of the directors was like, I don't understand the movie business today. The, the, no one's making movies anymore. They're just, they're making dialogue. <laughs> you know, and. And, and that's the point that I'm getting at is that – so, you know, people who Metallica is too heavy for, um, you know, I completely lost the point that I was getting at. I know the story that I wanted to tell was that I, I – I, well, I, I would play things like – because now I'm telling people I'm going to go see Goat Whore, and they're like, what's a Goat Whore? So I'm playing this for them on my phone, which is already kind of a shit sound, in, you know, in the middle of a jail. And they're like, that just sounds like noise to me. I don't understand it. And then I would play Fintroll, and they were like, you know, and, I'm, and, I, and I, you live in the South, too, so I'm sure you get this word, you know, where they're just like, that sounds like a demon. You know, <laughs> I was like, eh, well, you know, that's, that's what they were going for. The thing I love to do is take a band like Orphan Land or Opeth that do that, do that really heavy and then also do, like, the really acoustic, you know, kind of really accessible stuff. That's one of my favorite things to do is send them a little this and this and like someone's like, That's not music and then I like switch it to another song and like, Wow, this is good I'm like, Yeah, same band, shut your over mouth. It's like when people it's like when people call shit screamo. I actually it, it makes me just like vis- visibly angry. <laughs> All right. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of visibly angry, here's a little song called Built for War. Build 
best song Dimebag Daryl's Corpse ever wrote. <laughs> that is the first thing that I thought of, like when I heard this song. I'm like this is Pantera. This is the Pantera ripoff. It's a Pantera ripoff in the sense that it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's sort of reanimating Pantera's corpse. You know, that, that was zombie Pantera. <laughs> zombie Pantera. I mean, it's pretty much what it was. It was, it's like, it's like oh, yeah. Because actually uh, Dave was talking about this song. And I, I think I read an interview or something. He's like, you know, I really wanted to make a song that was kind of like a, like a Pantera style with that energetic riff to it. And I'm like, yeah, you went Pantera style, all right? You almost fucking uh, owe Phil Anselmo and Vinnie Paul some money. I, mean, I wouldn't even say I mean, it was like Pantera. Damage Plan. That's what that actually reminds me of. It reminded me, and it still wasn't good. But it, it, it and it still really didn't capture it the way it should have. But it just reminded me of a plan. of Zombie Damage Plan. It's not even good enough to be Zombie Pantera. It was Zombie Damage Plan. Yeah, I can see that. And the lyrics are just bad. And the structure of the song, I feel like I've heard it before, but just because the fact I was listening to music and trying to like trying to go back to another song in my head, I couldn't place it. But I feel like they've done this whole thing where it's like in the middle of the verse, it's just like they repeat something. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that from them before. But this this sounds like something UFC presents built for war. Like the whole thing... <laughs> Didn't it feel like something, some fucking like tribal tattoo would get tap out? Even better, affliction shirt wearing douchebag would listen to on the before the UFC show because you know I love MMA, but that is like a lot of the stereotypical fan, a douchebag. So what you're saying is this is a lot of testosterone and no rhythm. <laughs> a lot of testosterone, bad tattoos, and no rhythm. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it was it, it was just it was not a good song. I mean, it was it was a, it was a good attempt. It's good, good attempt at covering attempt at covering Pantera, and you ended up getting bad Pantera, which is Damage Plan. No, but that's the thing. It's it's bad Damage Plan. Like I I I wouldn't have even associated it with Pantera. It was just bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, then again, most people don't associate things with Damage Plan because. You know, most people are like, oh, yeah, Cowboys from Hell walk, and that's as far as they get. <laughs> what do you mean? You know, I, remember Plan. I remember Damage Plan. They, weren't they a, a, a cover band of Pantera? Like, oh, <laughs> They were that Pantera cover band featuring all the members of the band. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of what Jeff Tate thinks the other Queensryche is. Okay, so I think I think we can safely move on from this song on to the next song. We'll just reason right, okay. but this is not going to be a long podcast. It's, it's like you know, people are like, "Oh, it's kind of a shorter podcast than normal." It, mostly me and Robert bullshit in here because I, just, I don't have a lot to say about a lot of these songs. I mean, how many more times can I say this is just a a, a lifeless mockery of metal <laughs> of what we should be getting? Yeah. So, um, as this album has gone off the rails, here is track five, Off the Edge. Lately, it seems the world has gone. 
Song. Well, that's uh, why I, I, I whole... broke in there with what, "Look What the Cat Dragged In." <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was just listening to this. He rhymes me with me for an entire fucking verse, and then goes <laughs> it, and then rhymes it with it. I'm like, fuck, you know. And especially with the chorus, why not let Rihanna do this? I don't like Rihanna, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it just felt no. bland. Hmm? Okay, so you listen to the commentary. What was Dave Mustaine's? I'm I'm actually not going to interrupt you. I want to give you as much time to explain this as you need without my cracking jokes or commentary or you know go off on a tangent where I tell you stories about Disney princesses or something, or Peter Shabetta being raped twice in six seasons of Oz. Um, That's the obvious. I'm actually just going to put the commentary. Yeah, because I forgot what it was about. I already listened to the commentary and I forgot. I I finally give you an opportunity to just talk without me interrupting you, and you're like, yeah, I got nothing. Well, I'm I'm listening to it right now. He just said I didn't expect this song to turn out as well as it did, which means (laughs) this is a shitty song. Okay. This is is horseshit, folks, and it actually turned out a little bit better than that, so I'm happy. Good. Yeah. He's talking about, like, this song was called Jumpers because, you know, it was just like people jump. I'm going to jump off the bridge and shit because, you know, life sucks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, thir- 35 seconds. That's pretty much that. That first quote was all you need. Yeah, this, it was not, like, the commentary of it was a memorable enough for me to remember it. <laughs> I just listened to it less than, like, an hour and a half ago. It's, oh, man, like, this song here was obvious filler, bad filler, and sounded like a pop song. Like, not in tone, but in basically rhythm and, well, you know, basically the rhythm and lyrical content. It felt like a just produce, like, he didn't, it felt like he didn't write it. He didn't produce it. It was just like, okay, here you go. Uh, we've given you this, this, and this. Sing it. That's what it felt. It felt like there was nothing really here. It just, it felt like, it felt like shit. <laughs> That's pretty much all I can say about it. Kind of like, at least with some of the stuff on Risk and The World Needs a Hero, while it was bad, you could tell he was involved in it. He cared. He tried. This was nothing. This was like he had no part in it. He didn't care. It's another song and another album. Where's my money? Yeah. Was he sad forced enough, to... This is... Hmm? No, I was just going to this. Also, at gunpoint, was he forced to record this album at gunpoint? Was he being held hostage? Was a family member being held hostage? I what? Do you have any insight as to what drove him to write this 
such an album that it just feels so forced. I don't know. I think perhaps he was because they were on like a two-year release schedule pretty much consistently, like 05, 07, 09, 2011, 2013, and this one, 2013. Maybe he felt like he needed, he had enough creative stuff flowing to make a new album, and then he realized, oh, shit, I don't have any, but let's try to do it anyways. I don't know. It just because it doesn't feel like he cared. I mean, listening to the commentary, you can tell he at least there is thought into these songs. It's just it definitely does not come across. Because this because uh, he was talking about in the commentary for this. This song is about the uh, you know they pulled they put the boats out on the bridge or something for jumpers, and then they'd uh, you know when the person would hit the water, they'd come scoop them up and take them off, <laughs> take them off. I'm like okay, <laughs> quite well, the premise. Get- Wish you would have. De- well, let me ask you this. What is going on in Dave Mustaine's life that – I mean, I said we need Angry Dave in order for there to be a Megadeth album. This is like almost – Complacent Dave. Well, I was going to say, I, I, like you definitely get the sense that I mean, the, the songs are dark. I mean, like I said, when we get to Beginning of Sorrow, I I, I hate that song with a passion. Because of what it's yeah, about. I, I listened and, to the commentary for that too. That was and it was, that and, was funny. Well, I, we, we'll get there in another song, but I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead. But when the point that I was getting at is clearly he was inspired to do a dark album, lyrically at least. But I don't understand why. You know, it, this, this, some people they tackle a subject, and you can you can get their sort of self righteousness or their, their anger about a certain subject, their passion for the subject. And at least that comes through the album, and I can respect that, even if I don't necessarily like the music. Okay, I feel like Dave Mustaine's... I don't know quite how to express this, other than to say, I feel like Dave is just complaining. You know, this this feels like somebody who, like, no matter what you give them, if you gave them a chocolate... If you gave them a chocolate sprinkled... Uh, chocolate ice cream cone, he would complain that the ice cream is too cold. Nothing's making this person happy, and so he has to make everybody else around him miserable. But he's the stuff that he's picking at isn't like relevant to anything. It's it's like he's just looking around the room and finding shit to complain about. And that folks, what do you is mean the ice cream is cold? <laughs> what do you mean the ice cream is cold? <laughs> yeah, do you understand I mean, what I'm this- saying? Yeah, it kind of feels like, you know, when you were in high school, you know, back before I was born. <laughs> I'm kidding. You were in high school when I was born. <laughs> so I remember you were like, yeah, 1993, my junior year. And I'm sitting here thinking, 1993, where I was still involuntarily shitting my pants. <laughs> Which was last Tuesday. But, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, for you, Grandpa. <laughs> oh. No, I, I think of you more as like Uncle Uncle Mark. <laughs> You are the Eddie to my Javo. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I hope, uh, yeah. I hope our careers don't go the same way. <laughs> I was the, actually. I don't mind. I don't mind dying in a bed from heart failure at a young age because I abused myself considerably. I'm just thinking about the wife that I got. Eh, that's true. Hmm. I don't want to be Chavo because you know I, I called him Jabo Guerrero for a reason. That's so great. Anyways, where was I? Oh yes, high school. You remember in high school, your English teacher would be like, okay, write a prompt on this, go. It's like this whole album felt like Dave Mustaine, like his inner English teacher told him to write 
you know, the, all these songs, okay, here's a prompt to go. There's not really any soul in it. I mean, the work is okay at some points, but really it's just like it's almost it was like he was forced. And I don't get it because uh, maybe it's because he's on a new record label because he started his own record label once he left uh, Roadrunner. Yeah, this record that's label. Part of it is that there's a, there was a lot of pressure on him to get an album out there to get this label off the ground, and the pressure got to him. And this isn't this really isn't a finished album. I mean, I don't know. You might be right on that. Like, sad thing is, it's the highest charting uh, album since Euthanasia. That makes me want to shoot myself in the wrist. In the wrist. It got to number six. And the funny thing is, it's sold, it sold the least since at least uh, Risk, because the numbers on Flavormouth only went to, like, Risk. Yeah, it's it hasn't even it didn't even sell as much as any of those albums. But I guess it's just because the music industry right now is kind of in a shithole. Either that or he got off his album sold on an off week when there were no good pop pop albums to uh, to try to pander out to people. But yeah, it got to number six, and I'm like, damn it, you know, I guess good because metal's on the charts. But I'm like, still, like shit, that <laughs> he didn't deserve it. Okay. Uh... I don't have the strength. All right. Let's, uh, what do we have? I'll carry this. <laughs> We're up to number six. This is, <laughs> I'm sorry. Even the title of this one just makes me want to smash my head into the wall. This is Dance in the Rain. With David Draymond. Twenty-plus-year-old band complaining about working the midnight shift at a job. Is that what I just heard? Yeah, actually, this is actually one of my more favorite songs on this album, which isn't saying much. I thought this was one of the better ones. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you can come sing about it. like off the end game. The last song, "The Right to Go Insane," is about a guy, basically about someone who's been working, you know, their ass off 
and it's still not coming short, and they're going to go nuts and shit. That's fine. But, yeah, this song, like I said, I actually liked this song very well. I mean, I won't say it's it's maybe one of the, th- it's one of the three songs, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and that's not like, you know, it's not Megadeth good. It's just general good. So, eh, take First of all, the, the, the whole bit in the beginning is really just um, – Jarring. David and, Draymond's fault. And and David frustrating. Draymond's fault. Normally, song normally when they do like those talking parts, like pull over, shithead, it's a cops. You know, it has that Megadeth charm. You know that I said it makes yeah. me feel like they're from another country. Yet this had this had all the charm of a fucking rattlesnake. It, it was like, I, I I was listening to that. I'm like, oh my god, you're like in your fifties or some shit. Shut up. Stop whining. Well, it's, yeah, actually, this song has David Draymond of Disturbed in it towards the end, and he helped uh-huh. us. He helped Dave with his singing in this song, as you can, I'm sure you can tell. And he helped write some of the lyrics. Of course, oh, no, I didn't hear him say but, Ooh-wah. Ooh-wah. but yeah, the uh, yeah, I practice on that. No, not really. I just think I'm good at that because I'm good at metal vocals. Anyways, the commentary because you know, I, basically, I'm just going to start listening to the commentary during the song. <laughs> And I totally forgot this, and it is the greatest thing ever. The idea for this song came from a fucking fortune cookie. I should tell you everything right there. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to think of how I started. He's like, yeah, I was at this uh, nouveau Chinese restaurant getting some fast food. When it came to me, I got some fortune cookies, and I opened the first one, and it's like, you know, something good good is going to happen to you, like, you know, some random act of kindness. And then the next one had a proverb, it's better to dance in the rain than uh, wait inside for the sunshine. He's like, you know, that's a really good song, idea for a song. <laughs> so, so, the, the first the rule of, so the first rule of writing, write what you know. Dave Mustaine hasn't known half the shit he's whining about on this album, I would imagine, for multiple years now. Look, right. if you're if you're ju- if you're a bunch of kids and you're putting together a band and you're out there singing about how you can't make ends meet and you know you're it's you know it's hard times out there. Okay, I get that. That's you right now. If you're 50 and you're a multi-platinum success and you're still singing about hard times and having to clock in and your boss is a douchebag, fuck. Well, I mean, I'm sure he did have that problem because, you know, he wasn't always in a successful band. I know he used no. to get paid. Uh, you, you so sound like the parent right now. That's like you can't. That's like my child didn't didn't bully another child. You you can't suspend my child. <laughs> you were totally well, no. standing in front of this band taking bullets, man. But no, I'm just I'm just saying he probably I mean he can draw from then, but you can't really bitch about it now because it's not all that authentic. Though I do remember in his uh, I think his biography talking about how he used to uh, deal drugs and that's how he got like more in the metal because he get paid in vinyl. <laughs> like fucking yeah, but cool. he was like, but he was like twelve at the time. Was he? He's something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean yeah, I can. T- uh, you're pretty much right. Though really, if you want to go, if you use that logic and go back through a lot of the Megadeth discography, you're going to be like, God damn it, Dave, shut up. You know, I would much rather have a guy trying to act like he's still poor than 
your typical hip hop artist. <laughs> that you know, money, bitches, money, cars, money, 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 which is pretty much kind kind of how country is, you know, which is mud, trucks, bitches, and mud and trucks. <laughs> mud, <clears throat> trucks, bitches, and hoes. Mud. Sorry. Um. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. See, that's what I have to deal with here. And you know, I, I mean, you live in Florida, but that's technically like that's kind of, that is kind of like living up north because there's so many old people from up north over there. <laughs> here in the south, all we got is hip hop and country. And then we got like a shitty rock station or two. And then we got one classic rock station. That's all I got around here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God for Spotify and Pandora. It's, exactly, it's hard. Right? You should start you, you should start a band, Mr. Robert Cooper, and sing about how there's there's a lack of good rock radio stations. It's hard times out there. Well see if I, I dude, I could totally start a band. I, I have like a ton of shit like I can write about. And not even like life experiences, like I'm actually a pretty good poet, so yeah. <laughs> You need to write a song about how you, you need to write a song about pooping in a treehouse. Oh, dude! I actually wrote a song about Mel Patterns baldness once. Fantastic. See, if Dave Mustaine had wrote a thrash metal song about Mel Pattern baldness, I wouldn't be bitching as much. Actually, you know what? When we're done, if I'm still feeling froggy, I might just go write that shit in a treehouse song because you know I'm sure my cousin Mike will love that. <laughs> Just you have you have to add in yeah. you know there's a wild there's a wild bear shit in the woods. Do you even have to ask? That's that's your hook right there. <laughs> there we go. You know I'll just I'll just go ahead and just go through everybody's one through threes and make a song out of each of them. There you go. You you need to write a song. Give me a hug. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. God. Um, and, you have to, and you have like... to sample Bill Murray. Uh, that, that, that would be great. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, we've been having I a lot love of fun. I love how off top. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we're making fun because this album, like, the bad thing is it's not even so shitty that you can just, like, you know, like, when I first heard it, I was so angry. I could have done this whole thing, like, vitriol, pitchforks, and torches. But after listening to it again, I'm just like, this is just so damn bland and half-assed. Like, I, I'm still mad about it, but really it's just more – I can make fun of it because it's just that bad. Yeah. Well, this next one got my dander up. This is the beginning of Sorrow.
Okay. I, I, giving it another listen. First of all, it's one of the better sounding songs on here. But I'm, I'm going to go back to the last Megadeth podcast where I talked about Motley Crue under John Karabi and how people were not having fun with with uh, Motley Crue because they kept they they kept producing all these dark images and and uh, people were just not into it. You know, yes, there's definitely room in metal for serious topics handled in a serious way, but you really have to strike a delicate balance because if you don't, you end up turning away people who are really not listening to the music for social commentary. I get this a lot with television and some movies where people are like, I don't need to be reminded of real life. I'm trying to escape real life with this stuff. I don't need to be reminded that the world is shitty. So in in that sense, this isn't a bad song. However, I got really angry listening to it because I feel like, why are you, I mean, the song is essentially about a rape that produces a child who uh, causes the mother to die in childbirth. Again, fuck off. I don't want to hear about this. And maybe, you know, and maybe you have a different perspective. You're like, you know, a zillion years younger than I am. You know, maybe this is right up your alley. I don't know. But like, I'm listening to this going, um, I would rather hear about Five Finger Death Punch punching people in the face. You know, I, I, I maybe that's just me. But this whole, the whole theme of this song made me incredibly uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, this is like being smashed in the face with a dead fish. I mean, yeah, the, the content matter didn't bother me because, as I said, I am younger and I my sense of humor is more obtuse. So really, I just take a lot of things. It's just like, okay. I mean, yeah, this was a realistic song. Actually, I got the songs mixed up at which one was too dark. The next one was the one that was too dark, and I thought about that. Because I'm listening to the commentary that this song's playing, because really I don't need to hear them a third time. <laughs> this song, actually, he was talking about... Uh, Originally, it was uh, Sean Drover and Chris Broderick, the guitar. The other guitarist and the drummer, they made this song, and they wanted to make it about the, pop, the apocalypse and, you know, the beginning of sorrows and shit. And he's like, you know, everybody does that. So, you know, I think we should do something different. So instead, he was talking about, you know, a person, a person's world coming down or something like, like it's the apocalypse for them. And he's like, well, the story's about a woman who gets pregnant and gets either have the kid and she dies or abort the kid and she lives. So she decides to have the kid, and she dies. And then, the, like, apparently, like, the kid goes into foster care, and then he, like, ends up, like, sleeping with a girl and leaving the family like his dad did, and then it just starts this whole chain. You know, I, he says, like, for each verse, it's the beginning of somebody else's sorrow. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I could appreciate that. I don't mind realism. Like, the movie End of Watch, I don't know if you've seen End of Watch. Have you seen End of Watch? No. Okay. Well, that movie is very, very realistic. Like, he, uh, don't get me wrong. I love realism. I, I'm the one defending yeah. Man of Steel to people. I'm the one who thinks The Wire yeah. is the best show in the history of television, both because okay. of their elements of realism. I, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'm going to let you finish, but let me say this much. I think the problem is this one hit too close to home for me. You uh, know, okay. um, this is my life. Not that I'm the product of a rape or anything. Nope. nope. Hi, Mom and Dad. Um, <laughs> but nope, not at all. Born in the <laughs> suburbs. I'm not implying. I'm not implying anything. I right. swear. Don't um, disown me. I want to be in the wheel. <laughs> I'm not going to go off on a tangent. Um, <laughs> googly. Here we go. Um, 
but I have been in the social service field in some form or another since 1999, 2000, if you count the year that I was a teacher. Um, ah, now oh, you were a teacher too? Damn. What's happening yeah, I, was, I have not been a male stripper. Um, nor have I been. And nor thank I, God for that. And nor have I been an elected official. So there you go. Um, well, yeah. Well, then, well, then your all your credibility would go out the windows. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I became a teacher in 1999. Um, I started doing social work in 2000, and I've been doing it ever since. So if, you know, 14 years of being in this industry and knowing kids who um, came up in horrible situations. Uh, and we're in, and I worked in foster care for a good amount of that. So, you know, and his name, you know, his first name was Ward, his last name was of the state. Uh, I know those kids. I've known them in multiple yeah. states. This song bothers me. And maybe someone listening to the ones will fuck off Rattledge. I mean, not every one of us is a social worker. Um, maybe, maybe kids who are listening to this who are foster kids are like, oh, good, he's speaking to us. You know, I remember when we did the Pantera podcast and I said, you know, Pantera spoke to me at a time where I needed someone to listen because nobody was. And the comments we got on that was white boy, you know, <laughs> shut bag, white boy problems. You know, white okay. boy problems. So, so I, maybe, I'm the only one that found that funny. <laughs> maybe some people will listen to this and, and feel like I felt like Pantera. You know, this song speaks to them. It bothered me. And I'm perfectly okay with my assessment of the song not being a broad enough reflection of uh, of the song itself, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I, all I can tell you is that it really, really upset me listening to it. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. I've never been a foster kid or really known many foster kids. But at the same time, I can definitely see how, you know, being somebody who's been around these people and seeing basically their experience turned into some shitty-ass Megadeth song <laughs> could be quite bothersome. Yes, Because, you know, because exactly. like, yeah, because it's a very heavy personal topic. Now, somebody who's not really been around that, it doesn't really bother me because I'm like, it's just really one guy's interpretation of how that, I guess, how that all goes around. But at the same time, it can, it can hit a little too close for home people. You're like, you can just be like, dude, you don't know shit about it. Don't write about it. Making me uncomfortable, you old bastard. Yes, that's actually sets it up perfectly. Because if the song was good, I wouldn't complain. You know, there's yeah, certainly... You're, you're I, I, well. Right. I, there's plenty of songs out there that talk about things that I have lived through in my career, and I like them just fine. I actually like I, I actually like the fact that they speak to these issues. This one fucking misses the mark so badly it's insulting. Yeah, like Countdown to Extinction. The title track actually won a fucking Save the Tree award from somebody because it's about basically overhunting and shit like that that's gonna that's causing all these uh you know all these species to be wiped out so quickly and it's really it's a song about that and it handles it quite well and it's a it's a pretty good song. I like it. And you know, some people like I don't know who the fuck they are, but some they got some award for that. And I'm like, okay. But something like this, it's handling a personal handling a very personal, you know, very serious thing and it's really just not handling it quite well enough to get away with it. It's kinda like, you know, Kobe, like you know, Kobe Rick's throwing a uh in a hotel room, then he wins the championship, and everybody forgets. Well, this is like Dave didn't win the championship, and everybody still remembers he's a rapist. <laughs> well said. All right, folks, you've now heard the song that pissed me off. Now we're going to go to the song that pissed Robert off, equally if not more so. This is The Blackest Crow. Mm-hmm. 
Let me be clear, that's the actual beginning of the song. I didn't accidentally play something else. <laughs> oh, the cow kicked Nelly in the belly and the bone. Oh, the cow kicked Nelly. Sorry, I'm done. I, I promise to play the song for real this time. taking something like bluegrass. You know, I have heard so many different genres of metal with, you know, folk metal. They take, you know, something native to where they're from or, you know, just a sound from somewhere and then made it metal. Like I've heard Chinese, I've heard Japanese folk metal. I've heard like a New Zealand band do Chinese folk metal. I've heard Celtic. You know, I've heard folk metal from all around the world. And I've never heard somebody try to use bluegrass, you know, besides maybe like something, some weird-ass idea Mike Patton had. Otherwise, I've never heard somebody do it. And this was why. This is such... Uh, this should have been on, like, the special edition. It does not fit at all anything else in this album. This album is already pretty much just a steaming pile of shit. Like, after that banana and peanut butter sandwich I ate today, that is that type of shit that it, that it is. It is just not good. Like, it made me pray to get off the toilet for after 20 minutes. That is what this song is. And that really sums up this album. This song, apparently, because I listened to the commentary like a few times, like once or twice, because it's actually quite interesting. This is the song that was too dark, at least originally, because it's about his uh, mother-in-law getting Alzheimer's or something, and he was going to write the song about, you know, about her dying, and then he's like, I can't do that, because that's a little too dark. So he went with, you know, after she's dead or something, you know, like how it is. 
after she's dead and just about, you know, I guess Alzheimer's is a thing, which is a heavy topic, but he decided to go fucking bluegrass yodel dodel banjos. Like, that shouldn't, he shouldn't have done it. This might have worked better if it were like a ballad from Risk where it was, you know, just acoustic guitar and Dave singing, but Dave probably can't sing that well anymore. (laughs) I mean, it would have been done better if it weren't, if it weren't like this. But they just, it was a really boring, it was it was an attempt to rap, make a song around a just boring as fuck banjo and then just failing and the subject matter of this song, it really, I almost want to say it's just kind of, they, they shouldn't have done it. Like, if you're going to tackle something like, you know, Alzheimer's and something that's really close to you since, you know, your fucking mother-in-law has it, I think you'd at least, you know, I'm speaking directly to Dave here, <laughs> I think you'd at least take more care in the song that you're building this around. You don't go and get a fucking banjo or as he talks about a ganjo because nobody can play the banjo in his band. So it's a banjo with a guitar neck, you know, so they can get that pretty well. It's a guitar banjo, and he's got, like, crow sounds from a fucking iPhone when he was at a drive-thru. Yeah, that was also mentioned. It was like, like, I'm, like a, you're welcome to talk after I say this, but... It no, no, you're doing fine. Song. Please continue. I mean, it's just, it's a bad attempt at infusing something that naturally does not fit with metal. And they did not take enough care with it to meld the two. You can put anything. I've heard, you know, I've heard fucking Middle Eastern folk instruments, the sitar and stuff like that. I've heard that melded so beautifully with like a metal song. And it's just so good. They did heavy, they did soft, they can do everything. This, they took the banjo and tried to country fry, country fry metal. Not even country fry, it's country fried it. They tried to make fucking Colonel Sanders chicken. And it failed because they turned fried chicken into chicken shit. That is pretty much what they have done. It is not, it was, it's not good. It wasn't enjoyable. The subject matter wasn't anything that really fits what they were doing because you don't even hear country really talking about shit like that anymore. Just, mm, damn it, Dave. Just, damn it. You, you didn't have to do this. You could have taken this song. You could have put it special edition and be like, okay, uh, tell us what you think. We were kind of experimenting around. Oh, he could have, oh, you, you can just go. It's, I'm pretty sure I've said, my, said, said all I could without any rebuttal, but it's just not, it is not what anybody is looking for from Megadeth, nor should it ever be, at least like at this level. Like if he brings it, because I think he wanted Willie Nelson for this song. I think he would yeah. If he wanted Willie Nelson, I don't think he could get him. Then he wanted, fuck, uh, some country singer. He wanted some female country singer to do it. And then she was like, nah, sorry, I'm a, like something I can't make it. So he ended up just having to fucking do it himself. I have to wash my hair. <laughs> you have to wash your hair. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you yeah, that, that makes Shania Twain, we'd like to get you on a Megadeth album. Um, I'm busy. Oh, doing what? I have, I have to wash my hair. Wash my hair. I remember that line from somewhere. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I, I swear I've heard that recently. But yeah, it's like he wanted somebody country for this, because really this would have been a perfect opportunity. If he did it right, he could have at least... Given the critics, like, you know, like myself, like, you know, like me and you, we could have been like, you know, Dave, good job. You know, you went you went out on a limb, 
and it worked. Kind of like when we did replacement singers on the music top five, I put Dio at number one, and I was like, okay, guys, you can back, everybody will back me up. He was a great choice for to replace Ozzy. Then nobody picked it, and the entire comment section didn't pick it. And then one guy's like, yeah, I love how Coop tried to go out on a limb and pick somebody no one was, like, no one really expected. Because, you know, I guess Dio for Ozzy is just kind of a weird replacement in terms of style. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's pretty funny because it didn't work. That's what this is. This was Dave trying, trying to go out of his way to be creative. Like I feel like he actually did try to go out and be creative with this song. It's just he did a really bad job of that. This was like I don't. This is like Lil Wayne doing that metal album. Right, <laughs> I'm putting it there. This is the Lil Wayne metal album right here. This song. You know, I had a guy. I, don't, I think I told this story. I'm sure I have. I tell it to everybody. The one where I was uh, talking to this friend of mine from my high school and I was we were both in community the community college I, was, I just graduated from. I'm like, Yeah man, you know, I really love metal. He's like, Yeah, yeah. I'm like I turned to him like, Hey, you got a favorite guitarist? He's like, Ah, uh, you know, I really like Lil Wayne and I just look at him and the look on my face, you could just tell I'm just disappointed and confused and kind of angry. Kind of like, you know, you just got shot in the face by your best friend, you know, you're you're just confused and disappointed and just really mad. That's how I was. And then I played him some uh, Firewind with Gus G, who's currently in Ozzy Osbourne's band, as well as Firewind. He's like, yeah, I really didn't like, I didn't like that as much. You know, it's too fast. It's not, I don't like it as much as Lil Wayne. And I'm just like, I just walk off. That's what, that's what this reminds me of. Dave's like, you know, I don't want anything too fast. I think I want to kind of get something Willie Nelson's been playing for the past 20 years. <laughs> did, I do, did, I do, did I do a good job for you? That was great. That was, that was great. Um, I got a little surprise for you while you were going on about all of that. I, uh, and it was good. I, and I'm, I'm not in, in any way complaining. Um, that was what we were looking for. Because I, I wanted you to have a canvas to paint on. Did you get all your vitriol out on that song? Because I know how much it bothered you. Talked about that in the last show. But there's two things. I, I have a surprise for you. But before I unveil my surprise, I I want to address the idea of country music and metal. There is a way to do it where is it, it clutch? sense. Is it with clutch? Um, don't get ahead of me. There's a way. There's a way to do it. <laughs> there's a way to do it that it makes sense. It's good. Um, it it sort of um, it, it validates uh, the similarities between the two genres. And the, the example that I want to point to is actually um, it's a, you know Leonard Skinnerd is a not a country band. They're a southern rock band for all intents and purposes. And Metallica yeah. got put together like an all-star band to cover um, Tuesday's Tuesday Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. yeah. And there's a good example of rock music melding with elements of country and it sounding authentic. And if you want another example of that, there's, um, I think it was David Allen Coe and members of Pantera. Uh, who, David who, Allen Coe, the devil in town yeah. in Jamaica. <laughs> um, I can't remember the name of the band. Um, but yeah, it was, it was members of Pantera and David Allen Coe. I'm going to look it up in just a second. And they did like a country metal fusion album. And it sounded great. So I oh, don't yeah, think... Hank it's... the Third. Okay, it, was, it wasn't David right. Allen. I thought it was... 
No, well, no, it wasn't Hank Williams. Hank Williams the third. Uh, Hank Williams the third does like a country metal shoot thing. I've never, I've never heard it, but I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah, like, well, I mean, mine's, Rebel I don't meets, know if it's sorry, really it was Rebel. It was Rebel meets Rebel. Rebel meets Rebel is fantastic. Yeah, Rebel meets Rebel. Go listen to it on Spotify when you get a chance. Rebel meets Rebel is an all country metal fusion album, um, and it's it's amazing. You know, it, it takes all the best elements of both genres and melds them together. This was fucking fail. Okay, this, this Blackest Crow. I mean, like, it's okay. I happen to really like country music, having been from New York and all. Um, whatever. Well, I, 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 I hate country. Then again, I'm used to like modern country, which is really just pop music no. with like a band, like with a acoustic no, guitar. You need to listen to some like Arlo, not Arlo Guthrie, but um, oh god. Who is the one that I really uh, not David Allen Coe though David Allen Coe is good too. Um, I'll look it up in a second. But the, the, there's some there's some like down home outlaw country that is absolutely oh, yeah. Johnny amazing. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash is pretty good. Like you know, I've heard some. Like right, the uh, Highwayman, Johnny Cash, uh, Merle yeah. Haggard. Yeah. I, if you ever like, I know Merle Haggard is the is the one guy everyone thinks of, and you're like, oh, I hate country music because my dog died and my truck died and my wife died. But really, Merle Haggard singing from the bottle of the jar is the yeah. greatest thing I've ever heard, ever. <laughs> it's, it's just great. Yeah, that reminds me of the, you know, the whole joke about uh, if you play country music backwards, your truck's fixed, your woman comes back, and your dog's not dead. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to do something I don't normally do on these podcasts. I'm going to play a song from a different band, and it's an example. It's not one I've already cited. It's a different song. But it's probably the, one of the best examples I can think of of a band that is from the rock music genre who took elements of bluegrass and infused it in their song. And it, it's the exact opposite of what Megadeth did here. It's good. And I'll tell you what it is. You listen to it. But I want you to listen to it so you don't prejudge it. Okay? This is for you, Robert Cooper. Because okay. I love you, brother. Okay? You ready? All right.
like it. That was actually very good. So is, I it never see, is it so delicious? Is it delicious? I can never see it was delicious. I can never see Megadeth doing that. So I could I couldn't see bluegrass being brought to much heavier than a hard rock. I mean, what about you? Well, then again, Volbeat. Volbeat does a lot of that, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. that was, I'm going to guess that was, I was going to guess that was Clutch, but it might be Volbeat. No, it's Clutch. Okay, well, that I was... thought it was Clutch because I'm pretty sure I've heard you reference that song before. Yeah, that's Gravel Road by Clutch from Robot Hive Exodus, and um, it's it's not one that we played on the retrospective, but um, it's it's kind of my go-to. Uh, it's it's my go-to track for you know for anyone that's like oh rock music and country don't go together well there's an example where could you know could you have taken the rock music out of it could you have taken the country the bluegrass out of it you know I mean you know it it just works so well together and this is the band that wrote fucking pure rock fury I mean so you know it's not like you know it's not like they were stronger in any one place they just wrote a good song. And the only thing I can say is, after listening to The Blackest Crow, is this is why this man was kicked out of Metallica. Because clearly everything, everything he touches, he fucks up. I mean, not necessarily. The reason he was kicked out of Metallica is the same reason that, that made his original his original music so good. It's because he was so, you know, he was so fueled by alcohol and drugs and was very angry. No, this is the reason why the guy that got kicked out of Metallica ended up wearing a fucking sweater in front of a subway. <laughs> but my point is, is like, he keeps, makes him work. I, I, I feel like Dave Mustaine does one thing very well, and that's it. And anytime he tries to experiment with something else, it just blows up in his hands. He's like a he's like a moron kid with firecrackers. He's like one of those people that, like, you see the YouTube video of they're doing the splits between the car and the firework goes up their ass. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's really like it's like that. As I mean, yeah, you are right there. You can mix country with hard rock. I, I could think you could do it with metal if you look at Volby, but I couldn't see I couldn't see Dave doing it because Dave is no. too much of a I'm Dave Mustaine. He doesn't have <laughs> Hello, he doesn't have enough Dave. of that. <laughs> <laughs> Get away down to Georgia. <laughs> what do you mean you went down to Georgia? <laughs> What do you mean? You, you, I can't do country music. <laughs> There's a ring uh, of fire. <laughs> we're having way too much fun with this. <laughs> oh, uh, we got like 15 minutes out of this shitty ass song too. Oh well, that's that, that's the best thing about these kinds of podcasts is just how, you know how far they can go off the rails if you're truly a creative person. But uh, now all I can think of is Dave Mustaine doing Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. I hurt myself today. <laughs> I can hurt myself today. <laughs> Hello, me. I hurt myself today. <laughs> uh, let's just forget to remember. Oh, that's cute. <laughs>
Tell me what it's all about, Mr. Cooper. Okay, well, this one was like kind of a uh, like a piggyback on the last one. Like this one's about something like when you first get Alzheimer's and stuff, and you start forgetting to remember things. And he's like, I don't remember. Yeah, you like, <laughs> I don't remember what got me money. <laughs> I'm sorry, please continue. That's what this. That's what is. That's what this album is. I forgot to remember what thrash was. <laughs> I don't remember what brought me to the dance. <laughs> what do you mean they don't like this shit? <laughs> Hello, me. Who the fuck are you? But yeah, apparently, like he's also he's like I always wanted to be like a double entendre because you know something like when you forget to remember something, it's not because you you know for just forgot you just didn't want to remember. I'm like, okay, Dave, whatever. Yeah, this song is like. This song was like obvious filler. Like you know, most of this album felt like <clears throat> felt like filler. But sweet, sweet Lord, this is this was like the obvious obvious filler. Like you know, obvious filler is obvious. It wasn't really anything substantial, anything creative, and it wasn't anything bad enough. Like the Blackest Crow, it wasn't even an aborted abortion. It was just like that one. Yeah, it was just like a normal baby that got born, and then like. I don't know. They had an overbite. I don't know. It was pretty much. It was just that unsubstantial. It was. I mean, the only thing wrong with it was just it was, it was like that one guy from Family Guy. You know, the one with the huge overbite. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty much. <laughs> that's what I imagine this song looking like. Is that guy? <laughs> okay. In the interest of time, and because you know, you and I have a tendency to get suddenly silly, and then this podcast will be three hours. Um, oh, okay. That's how I got the name Fun Time. <laughs> that's right, Fun Time, Robert Cooper. All right, this is the very last uh, studio track on the album because the last track on it's a cover. So this is the last original song on Super Collider. Buckle in, children. Don't turn your back. never turn my back on you or Mr. Robert Cooper. Why? Are you afraid I'd lick you or something? But did you see lick me? Yuck. 
I don't like to be touched. Exactly. Exactly. That was my thought. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, a, you know, I like to be touched. Oh, I'm a hugger. <laughs> I come no. here, Mark, and then you pull out, then you pull out the mace rack. Back off, asshole. <laughs> it's like, oh, dude, it's so nice to meet you. Hey, 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 personal space. I got a bubble. You're, you're fucking me. You'll give a hug. Here, hug my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I run off with my child. I don't like to be touched. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm great with children. That's why I want to be a teacher. <laughs> That's the so, greatest idea ever. But yeah, this, so, this track Yeah, here. I have so little to say about this song that I'm doing jokes about a gimmick that I do at work where I tell people I don't like to be touched and run away from them. <laughs> Actually, I like this song. Like, it was... That was pretty much the one of the three that I was like, you know what, I kind of dig this song. Like, you know, it's still, it's good. It might it might be negative, good, maybe. Like, I really like the intro. Like, I thought it was really well done. I just kind of wish they would have melded it more into, like, the rest of the song, because it just kind of felt like this should have been, like, a little... It was attacked on. Yeah, well, like, actually... Well, the whole time I'm listening to it, all I can think of is that bit from Family Guy where Muddy Waters is on the toilet. (laughs) Muddy! Muddy! Oh! Oh! He's trying to pass a kidney stone. <laughs> yeah, listening to the commentary, he's talking about, uh, they originally called the song Little Wing because it reminded him of the Jimi Hendrix song so much, which I'm assuming is what the beginning came from. And I think they were going to build the song around it, but then he was talking about he changed the uh, one part of the rhythm and it just made it so heavy. But he wanted to keep both sides in. Like, I kind of I kind of felt like the rest of the song was tacked onto this. Which, you know, actually I did like the rest of the song. It was thrash. I mean, it's what we should have gotten for this. You know, it would have been <laughs> it's what we should have gotten for this album. It was, I mean, it was nice. It was a nice little, uh, had a nice intro. It was kind of well done. It was different. It was different from a lot of the albums. Because a lot of this album has been like, it's just mid-paced and boring. It's just poo-poo. And then, and then, you know, we got the rest of it. It was, it was pretty, it was fast. The, the lyrics, again, weren't that great. I really think, I really think Dave was just hurting from lyrical content this time. Pretty bad. I mean, the guy's you mean, never been shaken. Mi- you mean mining fortune cookies didn't really pay off the way he thought it would? I know, right? You mean, that, that's something I really should just pay off more, you know? Like, I got once, uh, I got a fortune cookie the other day, something about, uh, how people will go long ways to hear me speak. Yeah, when I, was I, got, on, I got that fortune cookie, and my mom rolled her eyes. I told the, um, one of my one true threes that I did on the three beards that no one will ever hear because I can't figure out how to send you my audio, my audible um, audacity, my my audacity yeah. file, for some reason, um, was how we, we a friend of mine talked about forming a band called uh, um, where I was going to read, it was a death metal band and I was going to read lyrics to, um, you know, recipes on stage and we call the band Fra Diablo. Um, and I feel like that, that to me is kind of what happened here where it was like, Dave, where Dave was just this, and instead of calling this super collider, he should have called it writer's block. You know what? You know what we need to do? We need to form a band, and then I can just read recipes in my band voice. <laughs> Give it a shot. You add three cups of ketchup to the <laughs> sauce, Batman, and then you add a cup of mustard, and then you add the relish and the can of cheese whiz, and that is how you make cheeseburger dip. 
It will be your mouth's reckoning. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to end it that way. Course, By the way, I mean, you've now ruined the the, you have now ruined <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises for me. <laughs> I know Kevin, Kevin was talking about something about uh, the, how hard he banged, and then he's like, oh, he tagged me, and he, he tagged me, and he's like, all I could think of is Robert Cooper. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's kind of like uh, yeah. I watched it. Time. Hmm? I watched it like a weekend or two ago, and every time he spoke, all I could think of I bet, is you doing an impression where you like ran out of shit to say, and you were like, I'm Bane. <laughs> I'm <of> Bane. <laughs> yeah, there was once actually, like, because uh, at that community college, I'd hang out in the student lounge. I would, uh, like, every time I'd want somebody to go, I'd come over where I was, I was like, get over here. And then they just come over here. Said so now every time like someone says get over here, I go to a friend's like yeah they're a scorpion. And then the other one's like no I just thought a cooper. <laughs> I think uh, now I'll, now I have this image in my head of hello me hello I'm Bane. <laughs> hello me I'm wearing a mask and now we will break Batman's back <laughs> with the super collider. <laughs> This podcast. I will super collide this city into <laughs> the ground. <laughs> you should do an entire. I'm, I'm going to make you do it right now. Take all of these. You don't have to do them in order, but you should take all of these song titles and just have make McBain do a speech using every single one of them. <laughs> Tell a little story you there. Do it after, you want me to do it after cold? I'll do it after cold sweat. <laughs> I need okay. time to come up with something. <laughs> All right. So, you know, what was once, you know, what was once us talking about, uh, you know, the only cover on this album is now going to be a giant distraction while he comes up with a bit to do when it's all over. Isn't this a fun podcast, everybody? Theoretically, Cold Sweat is Super Collider's version of Limp Biscuit's Faith. But enough about that. <laughs> with our final, uh, with our final thoughts on this album, folks from Gotham City, here is Bane. Hello there, Gotham. I'm here to burn the city to the ground. And how will I do that? I have a detonator on one person in this entire stadium. If you do not throw them off the edge, I will make sure it will be the beginning of your sorrow. I will super collide every person in this entire city if you do not make me your king. Now, I know there is cold sweat coming off the backs of all of you, but I promise that you will not 
be able to bless me. I am built for war. I dance in the rain while I beat the holy hell out of every cop in this entire city. I will beat them, every one of them, until you find this detonator. I will beat them so hard that they will forget to remember their names. Now, everybody, go find the detonator, for I will blow up the city, as I have promised, for I am Bane, and don't turn your back on me, for I will be the city's reckoning. Was Bravo. That, that, that thank was... <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. And I think that says it all about Super Collider, don't you? It was it was so disinteresting that you had to bring me on the podcast. <laughs> and that says a lot. Because you can only understand half of what I'm saying. And I talk through a crab. <laughs> <laughs> can we agree that Super Collider is Megadeth's reckoning? It is not its reckoning. For well, that is Rust in Peace. <laughs> This album broke me of Megadeth fandom like I broke the bat over my <laughs> knee. <laughs> okay, I need Robert back now. Thank you, Bane. Okay, okay. Like, Cold Sweat was one of the, I mean, it's one of the better songs. Why? Because it's a really good song and they managed to cover it well enough. I mean, yep. good, good job, Dave. You, you managed to take a... Uh, Good song, end cap it at your album, and then they make it look like, you know, it's kind of like it was bookended, like Kingmaker is a decent song. It's okay. Cold Sweat's a pretty good song. So, you know, really, if you would have taken maybe, like, I don't know, Don't Turn Your Back, maybe if you would have taken that song and just, you know, just put, just made like a three song EP, like, you know, how like Metallica did with uh, Beyond Magnetic, where they just took the outtakes of Death Magnetic and made an album, they should have just made a four song EP and just called it a day. Yep. <laughs> I yep. agree. I'm, I have nothing else to say about this. We, we've thoroughly run this whole album into the ground, so let's just let's just turn the page here, no pun intended, and uh, talk about happier things. Next up on the agenda is the new Black Sabbath. Uh, we will talk about that album in two weeks, track by track, song by song, uh, right here. Are we doing a special what, edition? I didn't know there was a special edition. I, I haven't even listened yeah. to the new Black Sabbath yet. Oh wow! Yeah, on uh, Spotify they had the special edition, which has like two extra songs or something. Okay, well then we'll do we'll do that one. As long as I can find all the songs on YouTube, um, then oh. that's fine. Oh, it's on Spotify. No, but I yeah. but then I still have to upload them to the. Oh okay. To, oh, but I'm yeah. sure I'm sure it, I'll be it, able to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, they'll right, probably have. Them. I mean, that is pretty big. All right, so in two yeah, weeks so. we're in two weeks we're going to. Review 13, the new um, Black Sabbath album. Um, I'm looking at it right now, Robert. It uh, is the special edition. How many tracks is the, is the special edition one? Uh, 12. I think uh, Dear Father, I think Dear Father might be the last No, Methodemic, I think, might be the last one. Hold on, I'm just going to take a... Okay, take so a Peace of Mind and Pariah, and then there's a... Dirty Women Live in Australia? I think those are the extra songs. Yeah, this is just going to say a thing. I'm, cause I'm just looking up on Metal Archives just to make sure because I've never listened to the, or, you know, just the regular version. So it's kind of hard for me to tell 
which one's the uh, <laughs> which one's the special edition? Because you know, it's all it's like it's weird. Because I really wish they would have put the uh, extra tracks on the album, but don't we all always wish that? Yeah, I kind of love Metal Archives. They're getting this album of '72. Yeah, okay. Dear Father's the last song. Okay, yeah. So, Metha, Methademic, Peace of Mind, and Pariah, or as well as the Dirty Woman cover. So that's four. That's almost fifty percent more of the album. Okay. Then that's what we'll do. We will. Uh, we're going to do the entire special edition tracks one through at least one through eleven. The next time you hear what will be called a, yeah. um, the Metal Hammer of Doom podcast. Um, what else you got going on, Robert? Oh, uh, let's see. In about an hour and a half on Spreaker. Uh, I'm going to be on Stephen Randall's uh, gaming cooperative multiplayer gaming podcast. And it should be pretty good. I think we got uh, Matthew Sforzina from the game and, or formerly of the Game and Wrestling Zone on Bowling One. So that should be pretty good. So cause it'll be less of me rambling about bullshit like last time. I think I got us on anime for like 20 minutes. Cause, you know, I'm really good at getting people off topic as if, if uh, loyal listeners to the show know. Yeah, but, you, but uh, you're yeah, not got... as good as I am until you can get an entire wrestling podcast on um, Oz and Anal Cunt. That is, that is impressive. You got anal content with them. Well, the point that I, mean, I was trying to bring up at the time really quickly was they were, we were talking about how um, some high school got or college got the ultimate warrior to do their commencement speech, and he said, queer and don't make the world work. And that yeah, was apparently – Yeah, and that apparently didn't work for the crowd. And I said, well, it's their own fault. You know, that's like hiring anal cunt to play your prom, and then you complain that they played Peppy the Gay Waiter, or I snuck into a sperm bank so that your baby would be retarded. Or I sent uh, Holocaust videos to AFV. <laughs> right. You know, you do, yeah. if that's what, that's what you bought, that, then that's what you get. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty pretty simple. I don't know. I don't know if I'm that good yet. Then again, on that gaming podcast, I have four topics already banned. I'm not allowed to mention the virtual boy. Doctor Who, I'm not allowed to mention Quantum Leap or how old Randall and Jeremy are. Do you mention every, your podcast? Do you mention that your podcast that you do with me? Because I don't feel like you plug the show enough. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I plug your show. I plug the show all the time, don't I? <laughs> I always plug it on the. Always plug it on the beards, and I always plug this show. On I don't know, man. I I listened to the show where you did nothing but talk about the gaming podcast you did to the point where everyone was making fun of you. Oh yeah, because we were talking about video games. And I had just done a three-hour a three-hour video game podcast the night before. Like mm-hmm. that was the only reason that came up is because it was rele- it was honestly like the same fucking topic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I I, I want to hear more mentions of this podcast, especially tonight's one because we had so much fun. Oh yeah, it was a ton of fun. It was almost as much fun as uh, you know, our central podcast where we talked about the damn damn band from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, see, see the three beards does have a it does have a good effect on me. It loosens me up a little, you know. I'm, you I'm less serious. There you go. You know, man, All right, using a serious business. What, what, else, what, else, what else do I yeah. have? Hmm. Oh, let's see. Uh, last week was every. I finally got the the Melvin's review that I was been looking to do for two months, but I kept so lazy to do it because cover albums suck. Never try to review a cover album. Like it's not that they suck in like as albums, it's a bit because you have to listen to the original and the cover to see what they did with it. So yeah, I mean it was a fun album, but I reviewed Everybody Loves Sausages by Melvin. That was pretty good. Uh, let's see, I'll be in 
wrestling fact or fiction this week, which would be pretty fun because I need to watch Raw tomorrow before I answer everything because I'm kind of behind on wrestling. But, hey, the live band we debuted, that should be pretty good, and we'll be talking about that on there. Uh, anything else I have? Well, the Hammer of Doom every Sunday, or this week it was Monday because I was a little late on getting it in, but it all worked out because there was a P. Diddy or is it P. Diddy? Yeah, it was a P. Diddy album or something like that. No, it was a Jay-Z. It was Jay-Z. It was Jay-Z. Okay, yeah, it was a Jay-Z album review came out the same same day as my comments. Jeremy Boone's The Music Top 5, which I am in, which is Top 5 Trainwreck Songs, which was a weird weird topic, but Crushing was number number one, just to let everybody know. Yeah, because, you know, it's like I can't look away. It's kind of like I said, that was the description, like a song so bad you can't look away. You can't say no. Like, I had a Metallica song, too, off of St. Anger, because I hate that album. And I'll also be in the top five for the Game Zone, which will be top games of the 90s. That'll be quite interesting. But, yeah, oh, and the Three Beards, because, you know, I wasn't in it this week because uh, my stepdad wanted to go see Pain and Gain, but I'm going to hopefully get a little review of that in for this coming show. It's pretty much like your morning shows, you know. kind of like what me and Mark did for half this podcast, just randomly talking about whatever we want to. Yeah, we do that. Mark endorses it. It's pretty fun. And then, then they talk about booze, and then I try to be like, I have Mountain Dew because I don't want to be feeling left out. <laughs> All right. Um, as I said, here on the Rattlich and Broadcasting Network, we have a bev- bevy of shows. You can listen to all Rattlich in Broadcasting shows on iTunes. Go ahead and rate us five stars. Get the word out. If you like this show, if you like uh, the kinds of things that we talk about, whether it's movies on the long road to ruin or MMA on the Ground and Pound show, um, go ahead and rate us. Rate it. Oh, the Summer the... Blockbuster series where we uh, review current movies. Go ahead, rate us five stars, tell a friend, share it on your Facebook page, share it on Twitter, where you can follow me at Mark Rattledge. Um You can also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, you, all these great ways you can download all, all the various podcasts on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. Uh, last Tuesday was the Jurassic Park trilogy on the Long Road to Ruin. A week from, thank you. A week from tonight will be uh, our two-hour plus discussion of the entire twilight saga featuring my uh, wife be nice um no, your wife seems like i'm sure she's a very nice woman so I'll, I'll be i'll be nice for her sake but for sean for sean <laughs> so we will be discussing and i will be defending at length the twilight saga um oh no oh oh man. yes oh, oh mark jesus yeah, i can i defended spider-man 3 i can defend anything um, you can also – now, when I'm not uh, pr- promoting my own shows and hosting my own shows on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network, you can also find me on the thecasualheroes.com, any one of their podcasts. I've been on their movie cast, their WrestleCast. I've been on two of their WrestleCasts, as a matter of fact, where we did a uh, special part two to the, very, to the first one that we did uh, on Jed's voicemail. That was pretty funny. So – um, check me out on thecasualheroes.com, their MMA cast, their movie cast, and their wrestling cast. And really check out anything by thecasualheroes.com. They are uh, they they put out some excellent content, some of the funniest stuff I've heard outside of the three beards. Um, exactly. And lastly, uh, we have our own syndicated show here on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network, and that is Robert Winfrey's Everybody Loves a Villain. Very popular podcast here on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. Uh, he recently did an entire hour by himself dedicated to Hannibal Lecter. Very well received, very well listened to. 
on the network. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, give it a shot. All right. So for yeah, doesn't he have? Uh, let's see, he's got vampires this week. I was trying yeah, to, I tried to, I, I tweeted him, and I, and I still went in on the Pacific Rim podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, this Monday because I'm, I'm go- Thursday night, I'm going to see Pacific Rim. So this Monday, uh, we will be back. Yeah, just call in Robert. We'll do we'll do the three of us. Um, so how I'm going to squeeze you and Jeff into an hour long podcast of monsters and robots? I don't know how I'm going to pull that off. I might not talk. Oh, oh well, no, you, you should totally talk because I mean I've I've been listening. I need to, I've been wanting to listen to this podcast because I am curious to see how Jeff is without anybody else to argue with besides you. Hey, he's not bad. Yeah, I, we, oh, just, okay. we just we just yeah, we just tend to. He's a very strong personality, and we tend to we tend to sometimes both very passionately want to discuss something and we kind of clash a little bit, but I mean, he's, you know, he knows his movies. So it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good hour long discussion of present movies. We did Iron Man. We did uh man of steel. We just, uh, we just did a split seven inch where half of it was the lone ranger and half of it was monsters university. So you can check that out on the rattle and broadcasting mm. network, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher. All right. So um, that's it for the plugs. That's it for the show. Thank you for joining us tonight as we looked at Super Collider by Megadeth. Uh, Until next week, be well, be safe, and behave.